What is up, friendship community? Coach Andy here, talking to you today a little bit about are all calories created equal? Now, this thought today is stemming from this whole calorie in versus calorie out model, which is a a commonly accepted model for how to view our our nutrition, how to view our exercise, and where that kind of makes us fall in this whole weight loss, weight gain scenario. So I wanted to shed a little bit of light on this and and talk about this to give you guys some clarity uh, and to maybe put the argument to rest a little bit for yourselves. So guys, this calorie in, calorie out model is based on the simple thought that you need to be consuming X amount of calories to maintain your body as it is today. So guys, again, when we're talking about calories, we we know this word, but we often don't necessarily think of calories as a form of energy or fuel that your body is using to maintain its processes, its tissues uh, in, in the way that it is today. So let's think about the word calories for today's discussion in that regard as fuel. So I thought it would be an easy way to break this down by thinking about the calorie in and calorie out, separating those two out, and first talking about what it means by calories out. So guys, in general, there are three specific ways we can burn calories or expel calories from our body, get that energy out. Uh, The first and foremost, the one that takes up the most amount would be our BMR. Now we've talked about this before in nutrition coaching sessions. This should be a term that most of the community is comfortable with. BMR stands for basal metabolic rate. And this is the amount of energy. So again, calories are energy, the amount of energy required to maintain your body at baseline and where it is from a tissues and vital function standpoint. So this is the amount of energy that goes to helping you think, helping you talk, helping you walk, helping you digest, run the circulatory system, take breaths in and just keep your body surviving. The amount of energy you need from the BMR standpoint, also goes to feed your current tissues. So we talk about metabolically active tissue, tissues that are burning energy that's active from a metabolism standpoint. And this energy goes to fuel your current muscle mass and also your adipose tissue or any fat that you're carrying around on your body. So energy is needed to maintain these tissues. So this is really where a majority of the calories we take in go to fuel. So we'll often use this as kind of a launch off point to discuss broad caloric prescriptions without adding in any other additions to this. So that's going to be number one. Number two goes into digestion. This is also a form of how we burn calories. So if you guys have ever heard of this term, the thermic effect of food, thermic, think heat, think energy, uh, that the energy required to digest this food this takes up about 10 to 15% of the calories we need to be consuming. And this is going to vary based on the macronutrient and the type of food and food quality that we're taking in. Protein being uh, the highest macronutrient with the highest thermic effect of food, meaning that our body works the hardest to burn this and to process this and digest this. And then it goes to fat and carbohydrate respectively. So this again goes to kind of uh, recommendations you've heard about getting a ton of protein into your diet, really flipping the macronutrient percentages to focus a little bit more on protein-centric meals, protein-centric foods, to be able to keep the thermic effect of food and to burn more calories, get that to a higher amount throughout the day. The last part of burning calories 
goes into like these leftover forms of energy, these leftover fuels to kind of fuel workouts, to fuel processes beyond our activities of daily living. Uh, so I wanted to talk about this a little bit more in depth because this is where it becomes a little bit more of a moving target for various reasons. Uh, I can't tell you how many times from a coaching perspective, I've helped someone talk about their nutrition, talk about their weight loss journey. And they've said, you know, it's okay. I have a very active job, which is completely understandable. I understand where you're coming from. Of course, that's going to vary, uh, in terms of what, what type of person you're talking to on what they view as a very active job. But regardless of what you do, right at about that four to six week mark is when your body starts to adjust to the the new type of active job that you're doing. So if you guys have ever thought to a point, um, you know, for me, it was summer landscaping. Uh, the first few weeks, my body was so sore. I was, I couldn't, even fathom not feeling that way after a hard day's work outside, after about four to six weeks, your body starts to adapt to that style of, of work. So if you're someone who walks around a warehouse all day, takes many flights of steps, all these sorts of things, your body's going to adapt to that over time. So, uh, so, so over time, we have to stop including active work in our thought of what the type of calorie burn that we're getting in a day-to-day basis. So the, the other problem with this is that we often will see people use fitness trackers or uh, you know recording your workouts in something like MyFitnessPal, using that to, to base life and nutrition decisions off of. So these are inherently inaccurate. They have a, a huge tendency to overestimate the, the calories that we're, we're burning. So this is one of the first conversations I have with people is we're not going to be using fitness trackers to understand where our calorie burn is coming from. Uh, the fitness trackers are, are studied to be within a 5% accuracy of measuring heart rate, but the variability of calories burn has ranged from 10 to 120%. So it's a very wide gap there. So guys, those are going to be the three things we're going to be thinking about when we are burning calories. Those are going to be on the, the net negative side of the equation. Now, when it comes to the calories that we're taking in, this is where a conversation can get a little bit broader. So we first need to break down the, the accuracy of what we are recording that we're taking in. So humans are inherently inaccurate in engaging how much they're taking in from a caloric standpoint. There are so many variables to this in terms of uh, you know, just being unaware of how you're snacking, just being completely unaware of where calories are coming in from, from beverages, from alcohol, uh, from mindless eating, things like that. If you're, you know, you're a parent, you're picking off of your kids' foods. There are so many variables to what you're taking in that we're just not being aware of. Uh, and then to add to that, we have a, a wide irregularity in the FDA's label claims that we have to be considering. So there are three different types of classes of nutrients and foods according to the FDA. So class one being things that are added to foods, like uh, if you've ever seen a food label claim that says like with added protein, uh, this could be like a whey protein additive. Uh, or you know if you're looking at a, a high fiber food where they add some like chicory root fiber to that, these would be considered class one foods. Now these do have to have 100% of the declared value on the food label. So that's something that we can really bank on there. But with class two and class three nutrients, 
class two nutrients are foods that occur naturally. So these are, you know, if we're eating whole foods and we're, and we're like being really smart about how we're eating, these food labels only have to have 80% of the declared value on the food label. This is a huge, huge gap that we can be not accounting for when we are recording our calorie intake. Uh, with the class three nutrients, these are just really when we start to look at the total amount that's in those foods. So total calories, total fat, total milligrams of sodium, total carbohydrates. These can have 120% or less of the declared value on the food label. So we're talking about like a 40% discrepancy on things that we're looking at to a calorie in perspective day to day, if you are someone who's actually recording your calories and recording your, your macronutrients, this is something that we, we have to consider. Now, beyond just looking at food label indiscrepancies, you guys have to understand that nutrition is not an exact science. There is a way to specifically narrow in on your exact energy needs, but we don't have the capabilities to do that on a day-to-day basis and in a facility like Friendship. They, uh, those locations are uh, at various spots around the country using uh, what we would call indirect calorimetry to measure your caloric burn based on your specific needs. But what we have to rely on in the fitness field is really what we call estimated energy equations. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because this is just another variable that's going to go to speak to what we are estimating that you should be eating in any given day in any given week. So this offers another huge spot for human error, where if you've talked to me about nutrition prescriptions before, you understand that we are just attempting to get you into the ballpark and then slowly walk you in time after time again, iteration after iteration of a coaching session and pivoting to see what's worked and what hasn't worked. But this is also predicated on the fact that you guys are being as tailored, as specific as possible with the recommendations that are provided to you. So this whole concept of landing on a specific macronutrient number, a total caloric intake, eliminates all other variables from the equation that we know go into a weight loss or a weight gain journey, which is sleep quality, which is stress management, which is recovery. All of these things go into this total prescription where it would be unfair to just specifically look at total calories in versus what you are predicting you're expending to then say, why aren't I seeing the results that I want? So the whole reason I'm bringing up both of these sides of the equation with in versus out is so that we can understand that it's simply not just calories in and calories out. There are tons of of opportunities for human error, for variables, variables, excuse me, that we're not paying attention to all the time or we're just having a difficult time accounting for. So let's get down to brass tacks. What is the information we need to be considering when we are looking to gain weight or lose weight. And primarily, we're going to focus on the discussion of losing weight. And by losing weight, we're talking about changing body composition to a more favorable percentage uh, comparatively to body fat to muscle mass ratio. So one of the things that studies have shown is that a total weight loss approach that has no concern for the muscle mass that you have on your body or gaining muscle mass in a strength training program like we're doing at Friendship 
tends to have less favorable outcomes. Now, less favorable, meaning more um, negative biomarkers that will start to present themselves over time. And that means um, really we don't see any positive changes to the, the numbers that a physician may be looking at on a sheet of paper to say whether or not you are healthy. And that means uh, a lipid panel, like our cholesterol number, our triglyceride number, our fasting glucose number, that's when we start to see that total weight loss with no concern for maintaining or building muscle start to become more of a detriment long-term. So we see it as losing weight, but maybe not necessarily creating you uh, creating a more healthy approach for you. So, so that's one thing that we, we want to start considering there. Uh, but also, there, to put it down to the baseline recommendations the only proven evidence-based approach that we have in terms of losing weight is that we need to have a sustained calorie deficit comparatively to our, our caloric intake. So that net positive versus net negative is absolutely true when it comes to looking at all of the research, all the data that's out there. So that needs to be our almost overlying discussion and our overlying focus when it comes to then the nuances and the subtleties we start to put into what we're doing. So let's talk a little bit about quality, right? We always hear this quality of the food that we're eating, uh, where even if you're, you know, looking at consuming 1800 calories a day, what's the difference of if you're going to get 1800 calories from Skittles and Cool Whip, or you're going to get 1800 calories from a nice uh, variety of foods, whole foods, spread out throughout the day. So again, if we're going to compare it to what I just had mentioned about a sustained calorie deficit, why not can I eat those things and still see the results that I want? So in reality, the research will show that yes, you will absolutely see weight loss in the short term. However, a lot of that is linked to shifts in water and that you're having from the immediate caloric reduction. But then we also start to look at what happens to your energy levels? What happens to your appetite cues? All those things start to play a role in the quality of the foods that you're eating to help influence our discussion on why can't we just give you more things to consume that are nutritive dense and not calorically dense so you can still get those 1800 calories from these foods versus your Cool Whip and Skittles. How often have we seen those pictures on the internet or Instagram where it says, you know, 500 calories of broccoli in this picture and you can see like three plates loaded with broccoli and you're like I can never eat that much quantity of food comparatively to 500 calories from Oreos and it's like eight eight Oreos, whatever it may be. I don't know the math off the top of my head. So you can see how that whole argument can put you into a boat where let's see if we can manage those other variables that are going to impact how you eat and how you perform and how you're able to gain lean body mass versus just letting you kind of, if it fits your macros approach, fill in the gaps with foods that are, aren't going to help manage those other variables. So that's that's really where we have to put more of the discussion and more of the scientific approach into discussing uh, does quality matter. Lastly, with our macronutrient distribution, this is a, a probably the most studied concept across the board. Why what what does it matter if I eat high carb and moderate protein or high protein and low carb and high fat? W what is the right answer? So I'm looking at 
at least six different studies from PubMed pulled up in my browser right now. And, and what we end up finding across the board is that there is no significant difference on a long-term timeline when it comes to the macronutrient ratios that you choose to approach. So what we want to do in the short term is how do we create a sustainable approach for you that's going to fit the foods that you're eating and educate you along the way to branch outside of just maintaining that goal of trying to get 10 pounds lighter? How do we start to talk about what it's going to look like 10 years from now? Do you want to live on this earth as long as you possibly can? And that's really where you start to talk about is a high fat, extremely low carbohydrate diet good for the next 10, 15, 20 years? Is it healthy for you beyond just what looking at health from a weight loss perspective is? So these are questions we have to be asking ourselves when we're choosing a specific dietary pattern to be pursuing. And, you know, we want, everyone wants to feel like they have the silver bullet, like look at all the research that is in this boat with keto and paleo and gluten-free and whatever it may be. All we're trying to do is attach our nutrition identity to something so that we can say that this is what we do. It's black and white. There is no autonomy. There's no variability in my decision-making. We perceive that as being an easier approach to diet or to healthy eating or to achieving our goals. When in reality, this it sounds boring. It's, it's bland, but we've talked about this many times before. It, it, it's not very sexy to say that you just eat uh, a variety of foods and you focus on whole foods and we're, we're following the plate method and it's just fruits and vegetables, proteins and, and starch in moderation. That's not sexy. People don't want to hitch their wagon to that sort of approach. But when it comes down to breaking down the information that's out there, there is no difference in what we're seeing. So really, it just comes down to what matches well with your lifestyle. So I really want you guys to hopefully take away from this, this podcast today that when we're, when we're looking at the in and out model, there are variables to both sides of that equation that we have to be considering that are very difficult to account for. So we have to just become much more calorie aware than living and dying by what we can record in a journal, an Excel sheet, or my fitness pal. Beyond that, the research shows that there is no statistical difference between the approaches that we take other than just leaving with a time-tested, evidence-based, sustained calorie deficit over the course of time to try and achieve our goals, and that the macronutrient distribution simply just does not matter on a long timeline. So I want you guys to feel confident in the decisions that you're making. You know, choose that, that wide variety of foods across the spectrum eat the colors of the rainbow, get your good proteins in. And then when it comes to tailoring that more specifically for your goals, so if you don't have weight loss goals, that's great. Let's get you with a coach to talk about that and get you as tailored as possible instead of using an influencer on Instagram because they did it this way and they saw success that it's going to work for you. Or because you read a couple of books like The Obesity Code or stuff about paleo and keto, that that's going to be the approach for you. You need someone to evaluate you from a macro view, stepping back from a macro view, and look at your entire lifestyle and coach you to the proper solution. So I really want you guys to understand that, you know, it, yes, it is capable to do on your own should you have the diligence, should you have the time to dedicate to the research and application of these things. 
but to get someone to get in there, get their hands dirty, help you focus on what the most important things are to get you to that goal, that's going to give you the most success ever. So I hope you guys can walk away with that. Best of luck on your journey. And as always, reach out to us if you guys need anything. Be careful. It's a jungle out there.